0: Welcome to College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer, featuring SMU head women's coach Chris Petroselli and Ole Miss head women's coach Matt Mott. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now let's go to Coach Petroselli and Coach Mott.
1: College Soccer Nation, September 27th. I'm the head coach of the Ole Miss Rebel. My name is Matt Mott. I'm one of the co-hosts. Chris Petroselli is with us tonight. He is the head coach of the SMU Mustangs. We'll bring in the Rice head coach, Brian Lee, a little bit later. Chris, Monday night, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) There's no easy way to bring that in. I've tried and tried and tried. (laughs) We got a big show tonight, don't we? We got a big show. We do. Big show. We do. We do. Marty Beal from the Richmond Spiders will join us a little bit later. Um, He has his own podcast. Very successful, so we're excited to talk to him. Another podcaster. And yeah. which is also exciting to me, Chris, is he actually listens to ours. So maybe one of our first ever guests that actually listens to us. There's one. So there's before, one. There's one. There's one there. Before we interview him. After we interview him, some of them listen, some them sure. don't. But, but anyway. And I like uh, the
2: Power Five. I like the Power Five. Yeah,
1: power Five, Chris's idea, top duos. Mm-hmm. So it can be anything. It can be food. It can be people. It can be whatever. Right, top yeah. duos, right? Top duos. I'm looking.
2: Forward I feel to good them. about mine. Now I again, had a, in- I had a list about ten. I'm uh, Maybe we'll, we'll, after we get through our, our, five, we'll, we'll look at some of the other ones that, that were on the list.
1: Well, you know, you know the, the top one probably that I didn't have because that's just kind of how I am. I'm sure you didn't have either. Is obviously it's Matt and Chris.
3: Yeah. Soccer
1: sure Nation. Know. That would be the top <laughs> duo. The uh, top duo of all time. But I didn't put it in because I'm not that kind of arrogant. I wouldn't bring no, something like no. that up.
2: Now, the last few weeks, you've had uh, different topics that have got you riled up, right? uh-huh. You've had a couple of things. And and I think, I think College Soc- Soccer Nation likes angry Matt. I think they like when, <laughs> when Matt goes off a little bit. So I'm going to ask you, what has you riled up this week?
1: Well, this is not a weekly, segment. typically nothing gets me too fired up um, you know, it's like, don't underestimate my kindness for weakness is something that always fires me up, If someone kind of goes that way. So this didn't happen this week or anything like that, but it's something that really bothers me in the coaching game, right? Okay. What bothers me is the game's going on. And we have a number of coaches that do it, a number of coaches that um, all of us play that that do it. And it, it really aggravates me. Okay. So the game's going on, something happens in the game that I disagree with, or any coach disagrees with. With the officiating. Yes. Right.
2: Happens all the so, time.
1: So, happens all the time. And we all are screamers. It's really kind of embarrassing our, our antics <laughs> on the sideline. And yes. I can be, I'm as guilty as anyone. Me too. Um, of of being sometimes a yeller screamer. Probably shouldn't I? The motions get taken care of. Anyway. So, if I'm having a go at the official, so in other words, I think the official made a bad call. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm having this conversation or this, quote unquote screaming match with the official and you are the opposing coach. Yeah. It's an A and B conversation, Chris, shut the hell up. You have no part of this. If you disagree with what I'm saying, then wait till I finish. And then you say something to the official. Uh, So you don't want to be interrupted. No. And it's not, I'm not asking for the other coach's opinion on the situation. The other coach doesn't get to make the call. Right. It's it's the between the referee and me and my opinion on the decision of the referee. It has nothing to do with the other coach.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. So they just need to shut the hell up. Why are they talking? And once I finish, if they don't like or agree with what I said, then they can talk to the official. But tell me an instance where in a game there's any reason for their coach to say something for the coach I'm playing against to say something to me. Uh, good luck in the beginning of the game and good game at the end of the game. That's right. During the 90 minutes, I don't want to talk to you and you don't need to talk to me, right? If I want to have a go at an official, I will have a go at an official. It's an A&B conversation. If they want to have a go at an official... What's this A and B conversation thing? I, well, I'll see mean? you way out, right? It's kind of stupid, stupid sl- saying. I don't know. It's you know, cliche. A and B. A and B conversation. See your way out. Get it? It's hilarious. Uh-huh. Hey, taco burrito nachos. You ever heard that one? Right? <laughs> hey, there's, there's a million of them, Chris. But my point to you is this. My point to you is this. At no point in the ninety minutes yeah. do I need to talk to the other coach, nor does the other coach talk to me, and I don't ever talk to him. Now, I play the picker in a spring game. Maybe we have a little laugh back and forth about something that happens. That's different. We're friends, right? right. And it's a spring game. Uh, or when I used to play Brian, when he's at LSU during a spring game, we might chat during the game, something happens, whatever. That's fine. But if the game's going on, to a tense moment, and there's a foul that I disagree with, and I want to question the referee, don't give me your two cents of what you think happened because I don't give a damn what you think happened. It's about what the referee's decision is. Okay. So that's my. Okay, my angry okay. Matt that's today. Okay. Yeah. You're and, and allowed and to listen. have your opinion. You're,
2: you know, and that's Thank what you. that's what this this podcast is for, Matt. It's for you to express your opinion. So uh, I'm, <laughs> anyone, do you agree I, or disagree? You know, I agree. I, I 100% agree with you. I think there's no place for it. There's no need for it. And uh, the best, again, as we've said for I think three weeks now, you're always best just to sit down and shut up. That's always yeah. the best.
1: And, you know, and here's another question, right? What what possible Positive thing is coming from you saying if you're having to go, if I say, Oh no, no, Chris, that wasn't a foul. That wasn't a foul. When you're talking to the referee about it, is that gonna make me feel better that the other coach is giving me their opinion? It tends to make me angry. Yes, yes. (laughs) It's throwing gas on the fire. Yeah, it absolutely is. So anyway, um, anything else in the beginning, or do you want to bring Brian straight in? Let's bring Brian in. We got we got some things to do today. We do. So the big deal is with us. Big deal. Give us your opinion on the coach that likes to talk to the other coach while the other coach is talking to the official.
4: Um, it's okay. If you both agree, if it's unanimous that the officials have a struggle, sometimes I feel like there can be some funny moments between the two coaches, but um, it's always the best discretion to, to just keep your mouth shut and don't talk to the other coaches um, around the game. When it's going, I agree with Chris, good luck. And uh good game, yeah. All that said, but I don't want to skip over the most important part. So Matt and Chris, no, that's not making anybody's top ten duos. That's a top, that's a top duo, Brian. Rico and Marty. Oh, you're right, top duo, right? Dang there. it, that's not me. Yeah, that's not me. Does. That's not yeah, that yeah, that me, Chris. That's yeah. not me. Totally that's different that. scenario.
2: Totally, yeah.
1: totally good point. Good point.
2: All right, let's go over some uh big results from the week a lot of good games a lot of uh, a lot of things happening teams in conference play upsets all kinds of things going on so here we go north carolina to virginia tech two. so virginia tech goes to north carolina gets the draw the ole miss rebels with a big win against lsu 2-0 congratulations matt thank you uh memphis takes a big step in the American with a two to one win against UCF. Virginia beats Duke 1 0. UCLA and Oregon 0 0. A little bit of a surprising result there. A um, bit of a shocker in, uh, out on the West Coast, San Francisco 2, Santa Clara 0. Arkansas is rolling. They beat Ole Miss 4 1 on Sunday. Auburn with a big 3-0 win against Texas A&M. Georgia gives LSU their second loss of the weekend, 2-1. Michigan and Wisconsin in a Big Ten battle, 0-0. Baylor with a huge win in the Big 12, 2-1 over TCU. And Virginia Tech turns around on Sunday after the tie with Carolina on Thursday and ties Duke, 1-1. And then finally, uh, Georgetown
4: with a big win against Xavier, two to one. What do you think, Brian? I mean, I think there's a ton to unwrap there. You know, Virginia Tech's weekend. How often have we heard of a team going and play Duke, Carolina, and and get any points, much less points from both games? Um, the you know wake up call for LSU probably getting swept by Ole Miss. Fairly emphatically, and the Sunday game was just a great game. I watched that game up and back. Could have been 5-5, <clears throat> entertaining stuff. Baylor, you know, we kind of started to tab them as that win over SMU looks pretty good right now, and the draw with Wisconsin, and to go in, it wasn't just TCU on Sunday. They beat Oklahoma away on Thursday, or Oklahoma State, sorry, right. on Thursday. Baylor looks like a, a Big 12 championship contender, right now um and then just a ton of upsets i think you're going to see that every we probably see it every year with the opening of conference play conference play is just a little bit different if you got a young team it can be trouble um because they don't know it's going to turn it up a notch but uh overall an exciting weekend last weekend was a little dull a lot going on this weekend in college soccer for sure for sure so we've uh we've toyed with some different um
2: Activities during this part of the show. And this week we're going to do <laughs> what's more shocking. So mm. I'm going to uh read you a statement, and you two can uh debate, discuss, have your opinion on uh what's more shocking. How's that?
4: I like it. Let's All like it.
2: it. Like Let's it. go for it. <coughs> you um what's more shocking in the Big Ten. Purdue at 3-0 at the top of the Big Ten or Penn State at 0-3 at the bottom of the Big Ten?
4: Ooh. Ooh. You lead that off, buddy. I'll <laughs> go with the Boilermakers. Very
1: impressive. I think that's uh, the most shocking part when you look at the quality of the Big Ten. And I've been banging the drum about Michigan and Penn State. We've talked about Rutgers. We've talked about, uh, Wisconsin always, all of this teams, and no one's mentioned Purdue. And uh, and what a great start they're off to. So I'm going to go with Purdue as the, what is it, the most shocking? Yes. Yeah.
4: Here, here's what I think when I look at the Big Ten right now. If you watch Stranger Things, you know it's based on the upside down. So basically. I don't watch it. Basically <laughs> the Big Ten. Oh, it's a great show, Matt. That's not right. Like, yeah. It's a show.
1: I think my kids yeah. watch it. They're like, isn't that a kid's show? They're like no, "I'm it's,
4: it's about like the 80s. It's all ages. It's very Ted Really? Eight. It's quite good. Okay. No, all man, right. I've, just, I've just made your Jen's week.
1: So there I'm, you go. Yeah, we're looking at something.
4: Yeah. But they've got the upside down, and the Big Ten is basically the upside down. I think if you look at Purdue, decent non-conference. It's hard to say how good Colorado is. They did beat Gonzaga along the way. But their wins are Iowa, Illinois, and Nebraska. Possibly the bottom three teams in the league all by a goal. So I'm going to go with Penn State just because they're Penn State. They did open Rutgers, Northwestern, Ohio State. Only truly shocking result there is Northwestern. But, I mean, this is Penn State. I'd have to look back to see how many games they've lost in the Big Ten on a yearly basis. Have they lost three? In the- I doubt it. Very often. And this yeah. is West Virginia and Virginia. So in the non-conference. So no idea what's going on uh, there with Penn State right now. So I'm going to go Penn State more shocking. Okay. Good one. All right. Oh, oh a little Brian Lee himself up on the back. Good one. <laughs> that was, Chris. <laughs> Chris Patton that was on. me
2: saying it. Again.
1: That's what I'm saying. No, I'm saying he's pulling a Brian Lee. Oh, That's okay. Brian Lee oh. usually does. That's how oh, good yeah. it is. Good his idea. All right. Here we go. <laughs> okay.
2: UCLA with an RPI of 51 or Harvard with an RPI of four? UCLA at 801, Harvard at
4: 701. What's more shocking?
1: You want to go first, Brian? You want me to go first?
4: I will go first on this one. Um, you know, UCLA has not played their normal top end schedule in the non conference. So their draw with Oregon was quite eye-opening. And Harvard, I think we all know Harvard's got really good players. The win over Kansas was a pretty good clue that they were that they're good. Um, so I'm gonna say more shocking that UCLA drew Oregon and it has any blemishes given the schedule they play.
1: I'm not sure that's what Chris asked. Chris asked which one was more shocking: that Harvard was at the top or UCLA was was in the 50s. Which I understand the question. Chris Bryant clearly didn't. Um, I would okay, say. Let, let
4: me finish. I will add a sentence. Oh, he's.
1: Oh, okay. okay. That
4: UCLA's RPI is 51. So, <laughs> yes. And the idea so, is figure out the RPI. They know it. They do a little study on it when they're together and they tell each other what to do. It's super smart.
1: Come on. Seriously, they do. They have a little class, do they? Just because yeah. they're the Ivy and they're smart. Hey, Chris, when Brian was at LSU, there was none of that. But now he's at a smart school. <laughs> now, oh, we're, we're getting all together and coming up with all this stuff. And uh, come on. They had a uh, class together, Brian. All right. All right. I said <laughs> UCLA. What do you yeah. say? I I... I I agree both of them are shocking but more shocking to me is UCLA's at 51 at 8 801 or whatever they are. That that is surprising. That talks about the craziness of the math of the RPI at this early in the season. I think when all things shake out at the end if UCLA has a season they normally have, they'll be up there in the top top 10 somewhere, maybe even higher. So it is shocking that that's their number right now, but again as I've said to a lot of people over the last week I've seen teams jump 70 spots at this time of year as these games start to roll in. So nothing with the RPI at this point completely shocks me, but Harvard being that high is impressive. Um, but UCLA is the more of the shock to me as well at 51. Okay. Next one. That was a good one, Chris. It's better. <laughs> if I say it. Thanks Matt. Thanks. <laughs> <No Yeah. problem. laughs>
2: in the WCC who hasn't started conference play yet. Gonzaga at 10 and one or Santa Clara at three, four, and two. What's more shocking? Matt, Both Brian, you- you want, go? You want me to go? Both of you guys we'll go, go on your, your computers to check it out. Look at you. Yeah, <laughs>
4: looking. <I'm> looking. You want <laughs> to go, Brian? You want me to go? I will go. I mean, obviously right. Santa Clara is having a national championship hangover we'd all like to be having that hangover and we would trade their three, four and two record for whatever we are right now to be uh, struggling in the aftermath of winning the national championship, you know, pre, pre San Francisco, their losses were to UCLA, Stanford and Virginia, but they did with Seattle. They drew Cal and now they've got the loss to San Francisco and we're halfway through the season. So Santa Clara three, four, and two is more shocking to me and Gonzaga. This has been coming.
1: Very good, Brian. Yeah, well, it's you, nice. Uh, um, I, I'm i going to go, I don't disagree with it was coming for Gonzaga, but it's pretty impressive. And and the, the reason I'm going to twist this a little bit, Brian, and why it's impressive is because, you know, look at throughout the country, the West Coast teams have struggled more than maybe the East Coast teams. and And at some point we have to, say that has something to do with COVID, right? Whether how much tougher it is up there for them. You know, we're talking to players that are driving three and four hours just to get club games because their area of the state won't let them play. Or, or, you know, what did we talk about last week? Cows and masks. So the idea that Gonzaga is doing this under those kind of circumstances is really, really impressive. I agree. Great coach. This has been coming. But to be coming at this level at 10 and 1 this early going into conference play, um, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna do well. So I'm gonna take Gonzaga as surprising. I I do agree with Brian. It's the national championship hangover. But if you go back through time and look at Santa Clara's, they're never not in the last. I would say six or seven years. They're not, you know, 17 and two uh, traditionally because they play such a hard schedule. They play one of the hardest schedules in the country. So to take a couple of blemishes um, against a Virginia and those kind of things is not that shocking. Although the San Francisco result would start to start to have you concerned a little bit.
4: Well, Gonzaga plays BYU this week. What an interesting game that is. Yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. The only other thing I'd add to it is when Gonzaga played Georgia, they were more athletic. Yeah. Georgia played LSU on Sunday, and the best three or four athletes on the field played for Georgia. Just pure. Nothing to do with soccer. So Gonzaga, that is one really athletic mid-level team. You, know, you want a side note, Chris? A little side sure, teaser?
1: Go ahead. On, sure. Gonzaga's loss, Purdue. Mmm. Mm, that? And that interesting little nugget. And that little interesting little nugget yeah. I threw up, And you know what else is interesting about that? That was after they played Georgia, so they had to come east, go to Georgia, then go up to Indiana. I mean, that's not an easy trip. It is not. Impressive. Is not. Impressive.
2: Okay, next one. Um, in the SEC, uh, is it more shocking – given what we know about Florida, that Florida is in third at 2-0-1 or that Texas A&M is one and two in the bottom four?
4: Matt, you want to go first or second?
1: <laughs> I'll go first. I, I think um, what's more shocking, based on the season so far, I would think the Florida result, results that they're undefeated so far is, is more shocking. Um, but I think AM is dealing with all kinds of issues at this point. Look, look for AM to right the ship and get back kind of where they belong at some point. But at this point in the, the conference, you know, kind of a third of the, almost a third of the way in, um, both of those are good shockers, Chris. I got to give you credit for that. Those, those <laughs> good shockers because I don't think anybody saw Florida based on their form coming out non conference would, would be undefeated. But credit to them, I've watched all three games and, and, um, you know, good results for them, for sure.
4: So did you take AM or Florida? <laughs> he took Florida. Okay. Florida. All right. I, this has been a great segment because I'm going to take AM as the more shocking of the two. Florida's 2-0-1, but their draw is against Vanderbilt, who's very TBD right now. You know, traditional power in the league, rough non-conference, nil-nil game. Um, and then the two wins are Mississippi State and Kentucky, who don't look great so far, either of them. Kentucky, a little bit better non-conference, but they're still talent um, short for the league and state's been struggling. So given the schedules, I'm going to go with a as the bigger shocker. Now, they've got, you know, an injury crisis. They struggled a little. You know, they've had COVID issues where some of the best players haven't played a game or two, or especially this weekend. And then they've got a few long-term issues where if they don't get the kids back, A&M's in big trouble. Uh, if they get their players back, they'll rise, their schedule's pretty friendly, they'll be up in the top half of the SEC by the time it's over. But right now for me, the bigger shocker because of schedule is, is A&M.
1: But to your point, Brian, you could make the argument that A&M had to play Arkansas and Auburn and Kentucky, Two their two losses could be the top two teams in the league at this point. I mean, I, 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 Auburn's got two wins and they're only lost to Tennessee. So I don't know. It's kind of the reverse answer to what what you said about Florida. Well, <laughs> maybe I, yeah, AM I mean, struggles a little tougher. AM schedule well, a little tougher.
4: I think with AM, it's a little bit behind the big number. The big number are the losses. The smaller number is they didn't have a shot on goal against Auburn. It's the first time since 2002.
1: Look yes. at those stats, Chris. Woo! woo,
4: woo. Now, you're bring shot, it at large, bring it large. So, in 2002 against UCLA, I'm going to imagine UCLA was pretty good, and I think Auburn's having a great season. But do you think they're a Final Four contender? No offense, hops. If you listen, you guys are very good. Sweet Sixteen would be great. Elite Eight would be even better. You're not making the Final Four. Yeah. Team's really good, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> That's just sure. reality. Let's keep it real on college soccer nation. Yeah. That's what we do. That's what we're here for. But you know, we're also
1: we here for preparation, sure. Ryan, right? And that is preparation. You didn't and even know the question
4: was coming. Impressive. No, I didn't. 2002. That's that's a Jill Ellis goal. team, I believe. I'm no mathematician, but that's almost 20 years. Yeah, I think I think Jill was Impressive. the coach at that time. They haven't scored a goal in 326 minutes. Oh, here
1: we go with the stats. That's
4: three and a half Stannis. games, four games. So. All right, come
1: on, let's move on. I got some more, I got some more. <laughs> so That can't be three and a half them, games, now, right? Oh, they scored against Kentucky. They scored against Kentucky. They scored three goals against Kentucky. I don't
4: know. I just three games ago, anyway. They had a non-conference yeah. game in between. They played – He's
1: reading B. Yeah. Ag- uh Chris. He's uh, reading yeah. tex Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's not. Okay. here we go.
2: This one is, is based on, on conference winning percentage, right? So if we take – all of the, all of the uh, teams in the conference, and we combine the winning percentage for the conference, okay? So is it more shocking that the overall winning percentage is higher in the Big East than it is in the SEC, or the overall winning percentage is higher in the American than it is in the Big 12?
4: Oh, that's a good uh, look
1: at look at look at this crap question. This is a crap question. This is tooth the <laughs> like horn Christ of the is AAC. Question. AAC's greatest
2: ever.
4: Yeah, I knew I this you was coming that. up, and I knew you, uh, I
2: knew you were going to get a little hurt. It's a bit SST. much. It's a, it. a bit I knew, much. I knew, I knew I could do it. I knew I could uh, get it uh, All right,
1: give money. me this question again. I'm a little confused on I, and I how the SEC sucks and the AAC is the greatest ever. I knew you were struggling
2: with this. Well, we question. What don't you
4: understand? the SEC is Sorry. not great because they have this little thing called the SEC network and we can watch the games it's not the RPI that <laughs> so hold on Chris give it to me again the overall winning percentage
2: is higher in the overall East.
1: winning percentage before conference play includes the games up till now well if how does that work if we're all playing each other it goes back to 500.
4: So it's basically yeah.
1: non-conference
4: still so you're 500 once you get in the conference everybody sure
2: I think I said that it is, but the games now still count within it because people look there are some teams that are still playing some non-conference games. Go ahead. Everybody isn't like the SEC, Matt. Everybody doesn't have the same Should schedule as the SEC. Should be. So the overall winning percentage is higher in the Big East than it is in the SEC. That's a that's a fact. And the other fact is it's higher in the American than it is in the Big 12. What is more shocking? That the Big East is higher in, than the SEC or that the American is higher than the Big 12?
1: you want to go first or second? Yeah, I'll go first. Well, I think you look at the the Big East has a little team there that's been to the Final Four here a couple times in Georgetown, right? And Xavier, they've got some good teams. So the thought that they've won a bunch of their non-conference games makes some sense. So I'm going to say that the bigger shock is that the AAC is higher than the Big 12 because clearly – As Chris thinks, the AAC is the greatest ever. So, (laughs) they uh, there must be. why. I'll go with them. So, it's more shocking that the AAC is higher than the Big 12. Even though they're taking half of our teams.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which AAC and Big 12. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um,
4: (laughs) All right. I'm going to agree with Matt, um, but for a little bit different reason. So, the Big East is located in an area we call the East, and primarily in the Northeast. Of course, they can schedule a higher winning percent than the SEC because the the Northeast has a cluster of really small conferences and weaker teams. So their non-conference schedule, without getting on a plane, all of those teams can win a ton of games if they would like to by just playing very regional rivals where the SEC has to go find games. You know, Matt, how easy is it for you to non-conference schedule?
1: ridiculously hard.
4: Yes, you're geographically fairly isolated, you know, among just colleges playing soccer. Um, so that one's not surprising. The AAC over the Big Twelve, they're in the same geographic footprint. So I think the AAC being over the Big Twelve is more shocking because it means the AAC in 2021 and just this year is better than the Big Twelve, and I think there's a real argument to be made for that with the top end. With, you know, South Florida, Memphis, Central Florida, SMU, Houston's having a great year. That's five teams. You know, TCU and Baylor right now and everybody else is very TBD in the Big 12. They did not have a lot of good non-conference wins. Okay, very good. All right, along the same line, okay? This one Hmm. is
2: the winning percentage of teams in a particular state, okay? So you take all of the teams in the state and you put them together. So instead of a conference, it's a state. You understand (laughs) that, Matt? I got you. Gotcha. Is it more shocking that the state winning percentage of South Dakota is higher than Texas or that the state winning percentage of Kentucky is higher than North Carolina? (laughs) Oh, I got you (laughs) perplexed.
1: I like this a lot better when you did it, Brian. Liked it better when I did it. I don't like this as much when as Chris is doing it. Oh, for God's! Sake. How many teams are there in South Dakota?
4: Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, just on to the answer. We can group answer this. Okay. Those two states don't have any teams, right? By the nature of how many college teams there are in Texas and North Carolina, right? Their winning percentage is going to be lower because we're, you know, we're beating each other to start with.
1: That's that's a
4: dead. So which one is more? Worst shocking? question of the three weeks. We've which done one this? is more shocking? I'm going to go. You mentioned South Dakota in a soccer question, so I'm going. <laughs> whoever South Dakota was paired against. Who was who was paired up with North Carolina? Kentucky.
1: It's a little I'm shocking, going, isn't it? Uh, I guess I guess it's shocking. Right, uh, you went deep more. dive into that one, Chris. Woo. Right, I got one more. One more. Okay. This is a big one. This is a big one. Okay? Oh,
2: OK. Is it more shocking that Matt wore a hat yesterday that was too small for its head <laughs> or that Brian went with an outfit that did not that did not include any Lululemon products?
1: Which was more shocking? <laughs> In a game? Oh, I Around think it's, I think it's clear. I think it's clear. There are no hats that fit my head. <laughs> so, uh, no, I didn't like that. I felt like I got a, a whatever, but I had this hot. Looking right in the sun, I had nothing. Yeah. But, yeah, no Lululemon on, no Lululemon
4: the other night, Brian, huh? No, that's not true. That was Lululemon. I don't know. lemon oh. I mean, shorts oh. around again. Or Oh, pants. now he's got pants and shorts, Chris. Pants oh, and shorts. Oh, man, well,
2: then yeah. that, that screws up my whole thing. Come yeah. on, Chris. They, they, they might might yours, you I mean, win. Yours was more shocking. In the middle of the game, I got a text from Brian saying that hat is <laughs> too small for his head. <laughs>
1: I'm
4: glad the, you guys are focused on the throw. game. I, I felt like I was watching that Chris Farley where he's in the jacket that's too small. <laughs> I that, that tiny hat on top that's of that, that
1: That's body shaming, Brian. That's body shaming. We are shaming your um, choice in – and, um, designer, it's not body good. shaming, Brian.
4: No, it's hat shaming. The hat <laughs> really who, who's being offended in this.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I don't, I don't disagree with you though. If I gotta be honest, I wish I could, but I uh, know this hat was stupid. That's the only one I had in my bag. I didn't realize I forgot to bring the good hat.
4: I feel like you're more bucket hat. Had you gone just giant, no, bucket, no, that would no, be I gotta cool. have my earpiece in. Oh, All
1: right, here we go. Let's
4: move on. Yeah. That was excellent, Chris. I like. Right. I don't you. know if I can go excellent. <laughs> All right, team of the week. What you got, guys? Go first. You want me to go first? Go ahead, Brian. All right, team of the week. I am going to go with Arkansas. I think they put a stranglehold on the SEC. You know, the win at a and not an easy place to play on Thursday, and you know, whether Matt was here or not, I would say this. I think Ole Miss might be the second best team in the league. And the way they wore down Ole Miss on Sunday uh, was really, really impressive. They're on good form. That front line's fantastic. I I don't see any way they don't win the SEC regular season. So it's Arkansas. Totally agree. I, I
1: would just say it was relentless pressure in that second half. I mean, it was wave after wave after wave. We couldn't get out. Um, you know, you got to give credit when credit's due. And, um, they they punished us in the second half. There's no other way around it. So we gotta, you know, for us we gotta look at it, fix it, get ready if we ever have to play them again. But they're they're a tough team to play. There's there's no doubt about it. All right, who got? I'll man? go, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go. We, we mentioned earlier, but I'm going with the Florida Gators. Right at a really tough um, non-conference and to, to come into a, a double weekend and get wins up, win win at home against Kentucky, and then go into. To Mississippi State and uh, and scratch out a win there. That's not an easy place to play. James had his team ready to go and, uh, and to steal that one 2-1. One. Uh, six points on the weekend. I'm going with team of the week is the Florida Gators.
2: I'm going to uh, not get involved in the SEC love fest that's going on here. Um, and I'm going to go with Baylor. Uh, Baylor with a 2-1 win at Oklahoma State. Um, which is not an easy place to play. And 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 certainly they're a good team. And then the two to one win at at TCU. So both on the road uh in the league against uh two of the certainly better teams in the league. Um so a great week for Baylor and and Paul and his staff, and and uh they're always a hard team to play, you know, they're always a, a difficult team to play. And we were talking about them today, saying, you know, Baylor is a team that could beat anybody. They, they could beat anybody because you know, again, you talk about relentless and the way they defend and 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 now they have some kids who really can cause some problems going forward. So I, I'm going with Baylor on that one.
1: Chris, I All need right. to I, I need to insert something here real quick in team yeah. of the week. We yeah. have to mention, um, we haven't yet, and we need to mention um Sanford and what they did this week, right? With uh with the they won both, but more importantly than that, they renamed the field this Shawnee Yelton. Uh, field, which I think is just an awesome uh, memorial to, to Todd's, um, you know, wife that passed away and what Sanford did for that, I think was great. And, and, you know, those kids having to play under that pressure is difficult. And to win both games, three, nothing is a, is a hell of a week for uh, our boy, the picker. And, and what a great tribute it was to, uh, to his family.
2: For sure. For sure. You know, congratulations to Sanford I mean, I- and Todd and, and the program.
4: On that TCU game, so the Big 12 doesn't use goal line technology. That must not. 50 not. 50 seconds left, where they hit the bar live. It didn't look like it was goal. I can. I don't know how Corey Rockwell was doing the middle best referee in the country. And live, I didn't think it was goal. In the replay, it's clearly a goal. Hits yeah. Now hits the hits the crossbar, goes down, bounces out, and the the replay clearly showed it was in, which would have turned it two two. Big 12 not using that at all, Matt? Well,
1: well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know how it works in the other conferences, but in the SEC, not everybody has the ability. So, not if if everybody can't use it, then nobody can use it. So, in non-conference, we had it. Anybody that had it could use it. But in conference play, at least in the SEC, you can't use it, which is really frustrating, really frustrating. I bet. Yeah.
2: Interesting. All right. Upset of the week. Matt, let's start with you.
1: Yeah, I'm going with San Francisco over Santa Clara. I mean, what a, what a win for that program to knock off the defending national champs. And again, we all know Santa Clara still has a lot of good players. They're going to be fine by the end of the season, I think there's no doubt. But what a great win, historic win for that program uh, over, you know, the Broncos. So congratulations, San Francisco.
4: Brian? Well, you know, when I first looked at this week, I started thinking maybe we should be doing not the team of the week. You know, we got a couple of candidates for that. <laughs> we do. LSU jumped to number five in the country, and no one's been a bigger proponent of them than me, and immediately dropped two in a row to unranked teams, and Penn State did the same. They'd be a candidate for it, but on the flip, I'm going with... Gosh, I don't want to steal any thunder you might have, Chris. Can I give two? Sure, oh, Brian. There's a better chance you'd steal the thunder if you give two than if you is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you under pressure. Cornell... One, Columbia nil, their first Ivy win since 2018. Oh, and then nice. Cal Baptist, one nil over Seattle. And yeah. Seattle has a draw with Santa Clara and beat Washington State already. And yep. Baptist was a two-win team. They, those two results, massive upsets, good for those guys. Yeah. I did not have those.
2: Um, nice. You didn't have Cornell, Chris? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, Duquesne with a 3-1 win over St. Louis. St. Louis Ooh. was the uh, preseason A10 uh, pick to win. They were twenty; they had won twenty-nine straight in the A10, um, sixty-four games in a row in the A10, where they've scored at least two goals. Wow! Um, Dang. The last time St. Louis lost in the A10, two thousand seventeen, and the last five times they played Duquesne, Duquesne was shut out, and Duquesne wins that game three to one. So I went with Duquesne.
1: Nice work. Now that's preparation.
4: I think you're (laughs) the winner because that sounds like the biggest (laughs) upset. I think that's
1: pretty, pretty Um, good.
4: And St. Louis is so interesting four, six, and one after a string of like 15 wins. They've won at least 15 games for like four years in a row. Um, you know that that's a huge win for Duquesne. That's a good one. You know,
1: Brian, it's hard to it's hard to get on top and stay on top. I wouldn't know, but I hear it's hard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's difficult. Winning's hard. And winning's hard. Mean. Absolutely. Scoring goals is hard. Yeah. Scoring goals is hard. Yeah. All okay. right. Is that all we got for Coach Lee. That's all. All right, Brian. Tell us a little bit
4: about our friend Marty Beal. Oh, Marty Beal, number one great guy. Um, but number two, you know, the type of well-balanced guy and and well-rounded person You'd like kids to play for. Um, I love if you've had a listen to his podcast. Uh, on the coaches. It's, it's very interesting. He brings in coaches from different sports, um, not just soccer. Um, And I'm, I'm really anxious to hear what he's got to say. He's had a nice career arc. Um, I always love hearing the stories about how people got where they were. And I think Marty's is going to be super interesting. Okay. Appreciate it. Hey, uh, uh, Your games this week are what, Brian? Uh, We play the eight and one uh, victors over Vanderbilt, Louisville, Western Kentucky. Their only loss being Ole Miss on the road in Bowling Green. That's no easy task. See, I got that in
1: there, Chris. Got that, yeah. got that yeah. in yeah. there. You got yeah, that. You nice. that right in there.
4: Brian's <laughs> got the Hilltoppers.
1: Good luck. Hilltoppers. Hilltoppers. Well, good luck, Brian. Good, good luck. luck, and we'll you talk done. to you next month.
3: Appreciate it.
1: All right, Chris. Looking forward to this one. Obviously, uh, Marty had you guys on his podcast. So, few months ago, and uh, we're happy to bring him in, the head coach of the Richmond Spiders, Marty Beal. Welcome, Marty. How are you tonight? Doing great.
3: How are you guys doing tonight?
1: We're good. We've had good. a good show, a good little banter in that first segment. You know, Chris had some crazy questions for us, and we had the answer. So it was fun. I don't know if it's clear or not, but it's kind of strange. But anyway, <laughs> um, what we like to do, Marty, as I know, we appreciate that you listen. Uh, but what we like to do is always start out with everybody and just kind of give us your path. Um, from you know where you kind of started coaching up until now here with Richmond?
3: Yeah, so, so a long time ago, I, um, after college, I got into you know, coaching club soccer and youth soccer. And through a series of connections, started coaching at the College of Notre Dame uh, up in Baltimore, Maryland as an assistant coach. And that kind of got my interest into co- coaching collegiately. And um, so then I ended up getting hired at, at Francis Marion University down in uh, Florence, South Carolina. As their as their men's and women's soccer coach. And uh, uh, after my first year, the the head coach of the, of the two programs became the athletic director. And so you can't be the athletic director and the head coach of two programs at the Division two level. So so he uh, he uh, put me in charge of the women's program. I was actually going back to school to get my degree in psychology at the time. Uh, so so I ran all the aspects of the women's soccer program for four years. And uh, then uh, as soon as I got my degree, he named me head coach. So I was head coach there for six years. Then I got hired at, at High Point University up in North Carolina. And I spent nine great years at High Point University. And then uh, University of Richmond gave me a call a few years ago, uh, back in 2018. Well, actually, it was the, the winter of 2017. And uh, once I looked into the University of Richmond and um, came up for the visit and fell in love with the campus, fell in love with the community, and uh, accepted the job and uh been here for now. This started my fourth year now.
2: It is a uh, it's a great place. I, uh, I've been there. It's been a few years, but it is a good place. But uh, I want to go back and and talk about this degree in psychology. <laughs> oh, <Uh-oh. laughs> I, I, mean, I can't so, so, uh, psychoanalyze you two. But tell me how that's impacted your coaching. I mean, obviously that that, that those are skills that you know, we all have to find a way to use, and you probably are a lot more, a lot better at it than we are, um, you know, that background has to help you in, in your coaching.
3: Yeah, that, that's actually why I chose it, because uh, I was, you know, went back to school, and um, knowing that I wanted my career to be in coaching, I wanted to pick a, a degree that I felt would really help me uh, impact the kids that I commun- communicate and lead every single day, and and certainly psychology is it and uh, there's there's every ounce of psychology used, used every single day in training sessions and, and meetings being able to, to listen to the student athletes when they come in to you know talk about what's going on or talk about playing time and to be able to just un- try to understand them and, and understand where they are from their perspective and uh, without a doubt you know using psychology to help understand help me understand the athletes uh, has definitely helped every single day and you know we try and util- utilize the, the mindset theory. Uh, Every single day, you know, I I truly believe that where your mind goes, the body flows. And and if you don't take care of the mind, if you don't take care of uh, how you're thinking and how you're talking to yourself, then you're not going to perform well. And uh, I think that's something that we probably talk about most uh, throughout the program. I, I, I can
2: see it now. Matt's got the uh, poster yeah, all set. Where I, the mind goes, the body flows. I, I just wrote Matt. that Matt down, Matt's Chris. You put it being up right now, aren't you?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> if any of my players listen, they know it's coming. Um, I don't think they listen. All right. So um, my next question, Marty, is talk to us, and and we you know we get a lot of head coaches, and not a lot of head coaches have that path where they go from assistant coach to um, to head coach. Right, so tell us what that transition was like at the same school. So I think nowadays you see that less and less, where someone is an assistant and then gets promoted to the head coach. What what was that like?
3: Yeah, so it was definitely a very interesting situation, you know, um, because I was I was running the women's soccer program, like every aspect. I was doing all the recruiting, all the practicing, and all the game management and everything, traveling with the team. But I was still titled as the assistant coach, so I had you know had every responsibility of the head coach, but you know but just as the title of the assistant coach so so when I actually made the transition to being the title of the head coach there was there was no difference whatsoever Um, but certainly going from that first year of being the men's and women's assistant coach to then running the women's soccer program was was definitely a difficult transition Um, but it was one that that I, I relished every single day and took on the challenge but you know certainly coaching you know going from coaching men's you know, highly, highly competitive division two athletes. Uh, you know, these guys are, are grown men and <laughs> some of them are the same age as, as I was, if not older than me. And then going into, you know, transition to coaching the women um, you know, every single day was a challenge. Uh, you know, it's a different, different mindset of athlete that you're, you're working with and trying to motivate to, to get them to perform at their highest level. Um, so it's definitely a challenge, but uh, something that they just, through the process, I just got better and better at. And, you know, thankfully I had good people around me, like, uh, people like Randy Waldrum and people like, uh, excuse me, Robbie Church and, and Ralph Polson. You know, those are three guys that that I've leaned on from day one in my um, you know, coaching career. Pretty good people. Pretty good people to have absolutely to have
2: around for sure. Um, during your time there at, at Francis Marion, you you transitioned from Division Two to Division One, <laughs> right? And I, I want to talk a, a little bit about. I want you to talk to me a little bit about, not 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 just you know not generally what it was like, the the tactical pieces of it, like, you know, how did that have to, how did that affect the way that you prepared your team tactically?
3: Well, you know, being a division two, we were, you know, a top 20 division two program. And so we were very successful. And, you know, so during the spring we would play division one, division one teams and and have some success in those, in those spring games. Um, But as you guys know, the spring is a lot different than the fall. And and so when we transitioned to the division one level, um, the first thing that, that I learned very quickly was how competitive players are every single day. Like every game is a battle. Every minute of every game is a battle. And that was a, a big learning curve that our team had to, to undertake. And um, you know, so tactically, it's just you know, getting your team to be able to compete at a higher level. And then you know, we had some pretty skilled players. So trying to pass the ball around these teams that had better athletes than us, that, that competed harder than us. So that was a, a big key to our success is trying to trying to move the ball quickly around them. And, you know, I was very fortunate to have a, a young lady on the team uh, named Angela Salem, who's now uh, you know, playing professionally for the Portland Thorns, uh, having a great career for, for them. And, um, you know, so I had her kind of running the show in the midfield and that, that definitely helped us, you know, as we were transitioning to, to Division One, because uh, she was able to you know, technically and tactically handle that uh, pressure, if you will, of, of competing a, against a higher level team. But yeah, the, the every the everyday battles. I mean, that's that's the one the, the biggest thing I would say is the difference between the different divisions is the everyday battles uh, that the Division One athletes go through uh, versus the Division Two. I mean, I just I witnessed it, you know, firsthand that was, there's definitely a huge difference in it.
1: So it's perfect. T- perfect leading. It's like we gave you these questions before, and just so College Soccer Nation knows. We didn't, and we don't ever with uh, nope. with our guests. We're not we're not organized enough for that. part. Right. So <laughs> we whip these out, and uh, so Marty didn't get any of these questions before, but he's he's rolling with with right how we're going. So here's my question the next one for you. So Francis Marion High Point Richmond, right? So um, uh, very good schools and programs um, that are in that mid major group. So how have you seen over that time frame? Um, how has it gone for you? With the kind of development of the Power Five um, or the autonomy schools, how has that changed, or what's that like for you? And and really, a follow-up question to that Marty is in that area of the country, um, which is so talent laden with with great players um, and so many schools. What what's that like to to, to compete? In that you know, I, I'm in Mississippi. We have three Division One schools, four maybe Division One schools in the whole state. Right? You are surrounded by uh, Division yeah. one schools everywhere. What, what, what's that like?
3: It's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's an absolute nightmare trying to recruit kids that they're grown up, like growing up in ACC country is basically what mm-hmm. I, I call it is. Yeah. You know, at high point, you know, you know, we're surrounded by nothing but ACC schools and, you know, you see a talented player and, and their dream is playing for one of those ACC schools. So, you know, so you're automatically fighting an uphill battle. And coming to Richmond is the same thing. You, know, you still have Virginia and Virginia Tech, and you got all these great schools around you. Um, so it's, it's definitely a battle. Um, yeah, but I think at the University of Richmond, you know, one of the differences is you know we have the academic piece that uh, that a lot of the the female soccer players are really looking for. Um, yeah, so now it's our job as coaches is to find those top tier players who can compete at the the Power Five schools, those those big schools, uh, but maybe want a, a smaller school environment and want a more intimate academic uh, environment. But but it's, it's absolutely difficult. Um, you know, you have to essentially over-recruit. You have to you know, spend a lot more time, you know, casting a bigger net on on better players, you know, ch- trying to see, like, who's going to go to those big schools and who's going to, you know, look at the, the schools for the academic reasons. Um, so but, – but definitely a challenge without a doubt. So
2: you've been in it um, a few years. And uh, <laughs> I want to ask you a little bit, just, you know, your impressions of – the growth and the state of women's soccer uh, over time
3: it's been fantastic uh it's, it's been really neat to to be a part of the process and to see it grow while, while i'm coaching and for me to to evolve as a coach as well throughout that process you know the 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 soccer players are becoming faster and stronger but they're also becoming more technical and more tactically aware uh, you know we have more and more youth soccer players playing the game now which means it's more competitive for everybody which means everybody's just raising their game. And so even to the national stage, you know, the national players that are playing now are, are at a higher level than what they were, you know, 20 years ago, as far as from a, a technical and tactical perspective, you know, so that's been really neat to, to be a part of that process, but certainly the game is faster, so much faster. Um, you know, even coming to the university of Richmond and competing in the Atlantic 10 conference, you know, the game is, is so much faster than what I've experienced in the past. And, and it's just the the growth of the game and the the athletes that are, are playing the game are or, or just, you know, like I said, they're just faster. <laughs> I know I keep using that phrase, but not yeah. just from a speed perspective, but also from a mind perspective, you know, they think of the game faster, they're, they're, they they're have quicker feet so they can control the ball better and they can move the ball better. Um, they have a better understanding of the game. Um, you know, so it's, it's nothing against the, the players that I coached, you know, 20, 25 years ago when I first got into it, but just the game has evolved. The game has, has grown in, 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 a, in a, an enormous rate. And uh, it's been really cool to to be a part of that process, like you guys, to to see it grow around you as you, as you're developing as well as a coach.
1: Yeah, it's a great point. I like that. Um, all right, let's talk about your podcast, right? Conversations with a college coach, leaders in locker rooms. So, kind of, where'd you get the idea to go with it? How's it going? And 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 give us some thoughts on on your podcast. I know you had two slaps on it other than that. Well, actually three if you count Todd, but no, <laughs> just kidding. But um, but tell us about how that's gone, Marty.
3: Yeah, so so during the pandemic, um, just, you know, doing some reflection, you know, as, as I think many of us did when, you know, we were we we're kind of isolated and, uh, you know, quarantined to our houses and not allowed to, not able to go do life that we experienced before. And so just a lot of self-reflection about what I was doing with my own life and what I wanted to continue to do with my life. And you know, uh, you know, Ralph Paulson, one of my mentors, as I talked about before, you know, he, he always talked to me about giving back to the coaching community and the way that he gave back to the coaching community is through the United Soccer Coaches Association through his time that he served, you know, on the board and as the president and through coaching courses. And so I was just trying to figure out a way that I could do that as well. But at the same time, like I knew that I learned so much from conversations with college coaches, like sitting around at recruiting events and just going out to dinner and just bouncing off ideas. Hey, have you experienced this? Hey, what do you do about that? And um, so I just came up with the idea to, to start a podcast and to start bringing in college coaches and start talking about the things that they experience from a leadership perspective, uh, you know, how they handle different situations. Um, and I was bringing in uh, coaches from all different sports to get all different perspectives. Cause I think that we can all learn from, you know, basketball coaches, lacrosse coaches, you know, field hockey coaches, you know, I don't think we have to do, only learn from soccer coaches. So, so that's, that's where it started and, you know, brought in some, some great guests and, and really learned a lot, and uh, I loved every minute of it. Uh, during this fall, I've decided uh, not to restart it during the fall, uh, but I will be taking it back up uh, in probably December, picking it up. And, you know, I've got to get you, Matt, back on, the, uh, back on there <laughs> since, since you missed out on the first one. So, um, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah it's just a way for me to kind of have these conversations with college coaches to um, help other younger coaches learn from us. Learn from our experiences and and just hear the ins and outs of the details of things that that we go through, so that they can learn from us so they don't make the same mistakes <laughs> that we made back in the day. Absolutely, yeah. Well, so everybody knows, you know,
2: Brian and I were were on an episode and. Matt was invited as well, but he was too big time, so he he didn't. That's come not on. true. That's so, not true at all. Um, you know, he, all. he played the I'm too big time. No, 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 no. But uh, I certainly enjoyed it, and and uh, I've listened to a number of the different episodes that you have. Um, but then you know, you followed up after having Brian and I on. You followed up with Todd, the picker, right? <laughs> and and I wanted to ask you about that a little bit. And I haven't listened to that one, so. Were there discussions about picking
3: on <laughs> on that one? There was no discussions about picking on that one. Oh, yeah. there were only discussions about what he's done at sanford and and his leadership styles at Sanford. Wow. uh, That was impressive to
1: not have him. I'm surprised he didn't segue in there somehow, Marty. I'm shocked he didn't get it. at least a little bit in there. Yeah, Yeah, he wasn't talking about some Coke sign.
3: I actually think that was before he was officially the picker. Oh. Oh. oh, During your transition period of where you guys were figuring out. (laughs) Uh, I would say
1: you have a really nice sign behind your shoulder. Again, this is on Zoom so nobody can see it. Well, we, there's a sign behind Marty's shoulder. I'm sure he was very fixated on how can yes. you get that sign off yet?
2: And he <laughs> yeah, tried to get it cheap for sure. <laughs>
3: yeah, it's, it's, actually, it's actually a nice gift from a former player.
2: Oh, well, that's <laughs> great. That's great. Yep. Yep. Yeah,
1: yep. that's great. <laughs> all right. Listen, a couple of just last two things for me, Marty. First of all, I got to tell you, I think the Richmond spider logo is one of the best in the country, if not the best. Now, there it is. Yes. <laughs> it's awesome. It really is awesome. Like that's kind of intimidating. It's kind of scary. Um, it's cool. I think it's really cool. The
3: Only really one cool. in the country.
1: Yeah. How, how did it come about? How they you have that? You have that information? How did you become the spiders?
3: So yeah. So so I can't remember what the original mascot was, uh, but what I do remember is that there was a baseball pitcher way back in the day who was this fantastic pitcher for the Richmond for Richmond, and um, I guess his nickname was like Spider or something like that. And so then, from that, this story just kind of evolved to where the athletic department took over that, that logo. Um, so that's that's the brief version. I, I I would do it injustice if I tried telling you the full story. So I'm just going yeah. to leave it with that.
1: Yeah. See now that's cool because that's better than the mustangs, like bunch of horses. Who cares, right? Land Shark is very similar to that. And the Land Shark is very similar to the that. The guy started it's doing land I mean, the Land Shark. Land Shark is uh, like came a character on Saturday Night Live, right? I mean, that's
2: all I know it has. <laughs> all
1: I know is, is that spider logo is 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 just awesome. Badass. It's one of my favorites for sure. All right, Marty, we can get you out of here with this one. Um, you know, give us a give us some a few minutes on uh on Richmond and and, and the quality of it. I know you've touched on it a little bit, but um what what do you think?
3: Yeah, so so the University of Richmond is a special place. Uh, high academic uh, standard, uh, high admission standard uh, to get in. Um, you know, it, it rivals the Ivies and you know, so we're the Southern version of the Ivies And uh, located, you know, just outside the city of, of Richmond, so we're in the perfect spot to for recruits. If they like the the urban lifestyle and they want to get into the city, we're five miles from that. But they want the the nature. We got the river and everything around them as well. Um, just a fantastic place, you know, 3,000 students. Uh, so it's not a big school uh, in terms of like the, the student body, um, but it's a big feel, you know, the campus is really spread out and it, it is absolutely gorgeous. It's just, just a drop dead gorgeous school, great location. I'm very, very fortunate to work here. Um, you know, the program is getting better and better. You know, we're, we're getting in the, the right types of players that can compete in the Atlanta 10 conference. And that conference is highly competitive from top to bottom. There's There's no easy game in there. Um, which is exciting. It's a challenge that I I really enjoy every single day, um, and it's, uh, it's something that our recruits are enjoying as well to to commit you know to to build this program to be one of the top teams in the Atlanta 10 Conference, and so so we're on the path, but we're not there yet. Uh, but we're we're excited about the journey to get there. No doubt. Well, there. yeah, yeah history, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Given the history
2: and and the yeah. success that you've had. I don't think anybody doubts that you'll get there. Yeah,
1: Appreciate I it. love Richmond too. We fly in there. My brother lives just outside of Richmond. It's, it's a great, great little area. Um, okay. We do have a, we do have a um, offer for you, Marty. We uh-huh. would like to make you an official voter on the power of uh-huh. five. So, you know, if you see us, we, we have some, we have some voters, we have some official guys and I, I would like to to bring you on if you'd like to you'd see some of people tweet at it or whatever. Uh, but well, if you'd I, like I, to be an official voter, we would we would appreciate that.
3: I would love that. But I just have to let you know your 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 chicken thing from last week <laughs> yeah. you know, would definitely just cost you the, cost you the vote last week. Did it? Uh, yeah. See, yeah. I thought you
1: liked the chicken. <laughs>
2: That's why I was asking you to be a voter. <laughs> yeah. Marty, there's one every week. He comes up with one every week. Oh, I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought that was a good one. Yeah, anyway, so all right. Good. Well, feel free to vote. We'd love for you to do it. Absolutely. Thanks for coming Absolutely. on, Marty. Thanks, Marty. Uh, great job. Great we great. Appreciate, it. appreciate
3: it. Good luck. Yeah, good luck the rest of the season you You too as well
1: okay all right chris that was fun with marty good guy doing a good job up there for sure and appreciate him coming on um all right favorite duos this is going to be uh this was a good good pick i'm happy with mine um a little nervous but i (laughs) think i got some and i think i want to preface it with this these are matt mott favorite duos not Not what everybody else would pick salt and pepper or something stupid like that. If you have, right. So not those, these are Matt Mott duos. Okay. All right. My first, you first. I'll go. All right.
2: Number five. (laughs) Yeah. These are my favorite duos, right? Yeah. Ready? Yeah. Shrek and donkey. You, do you even like
1: the Shrek shows? Oh, of course. Yes. Chris. Donkey Chris. is the best. Oh, for one. <laughs> oh, for one. The producer does like, all right, my number five. I don't know if he'll get Are yours going to be all food? No, no. Oh, okay. All my right. number five, from the great movie, great set of movies, the Rocky movies, Rocky and Mickey, his trainer. Right? He went from nothing to... Mickey brought him into a. <laughs> Mickey brought him into a no. champion boxer. Rocky shit, it's Rocky and Adrian. It's not Rocky and Mickey. No, no, no. Yes. Rocky was his trainer. I know. <laughs> All right, <laughs> good. Your number four. Uh,
2: my number four: Bonnie and Clyde.
1: <laughs> Darren's good. Oh, he likes <laughs> that one. I, I I don't really know that one well enough to know. I think it's kind of stupid. Hey. What What did they do? They, like, rob people and kill people? Oh, that's yeah, a good robbed one. robbed a bunch of banks, all that kind oh, of Oh, yeah, that's nice. That's yeah. nice. That's a good one, Chris, yeah. for the family. Pretty good duo, With though. Pretty good duo. Are uh, you ready for mine? My next yeah. one, my number four? Yeah. Hot dog and mustard. Uh, a hot dog is not the same without mustard, Chris. Yeah, mustard,
2: I guess,
4: I
1: you it. don't really need mustard for anything but a hot dog. It's just okay uh-huh. on everything else. A hot dog makes a difference. Hot dog and mustard. Boom. Number four. All right, yeah. number three. Number three, Batman and Robin. Oh, lame, lame. How is lame. that lame? Lame, Not Just lame. My number three. Yeah. you like this one. Red Sox and Yankees. No. no. Thumb down, Darren. Why? You can't have one. There, they're so of much course better together. Not a duo. This they're isn't, so this much is in,
0: better together. This isn't top five rivalries. Yeah,
1: I didn't say that. No, the duos. If, you, if they're so much better together. First of all, when when the Red Sox play, teams. when the Red Sox play Baltimore, who cares? But when the Red Sox play Yankees, that's awesome. Yeah, it's also awesome when the Yankees. If play you're a Dodgers. Yankee fan or a Red Sox, awesome Red Sox Yankees fan, Yankees not universally. Not as awesome as when they play the Red Sox.
0: Well, then, oh, are you man. going with cow? Yeah. Are you going with the Cowboys right. and the Redskins too? I mean, if you're going to go that route, because it's all right. It's all based on the. We fandom, don't allow
1: right? you to talk. This is a reason. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> what are we at? Number two. Number two.
2: For any Italian spaghetti and meatballs.
1: I don't hate that. That's good. Yeah, okay, fine. Thank you. It's okay. I don't know if I have it too. It's okay. Am I number two? Yeah. Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Let's go, Chris. Let's go. You know, you know I got no, you there. Bruce does his That's own stuff. One. He does. He oh, Bruce and the E Street he Band is a the band. Bruce and the E Street Band. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. That's a good one. You know it is. Darren gave it a thumbs up. All right. Here you go. You're number one. Number one. Very yeah. simple peanut yeah. butter and jelly so boring chris you're so you Not boring you, you, everybody you like Melt my skull jelly. you melt my skull how boring you are with everybody this stuff. can you please be involved. creative is there not a creative bone in your body for the love of god my number one you ready yeah this creative one yeah i can't wait <laughs> pizza and pepperoni so much better <laughs> oh, together as a duo oh. why are you shaking your head there that's great. Pizza it's just with, cheese. corn. Pizza with, pizza with pepperoni, fantastic. Pizza with they, sausage. Pizza with What mushrooms. is the top pizza? pizza is pepperoni pizza. Pepperoni pizza. Pizza is not so good. Pep, no. The, again, duo. Peanut butter by itself. Is that what you're saying? I like it's a not peanut butter sandwich. Unless you have the jelly. Either is pizza.
2: Yeah, no.
1: No, no, yeah, I you know that because I've right. had ten thousand slices of pizza with you. Every time we're together, we order pepperoni pizza. So I got don't a don't few other I wrote a few other ones down. Okay, all
2: right, yeah. Well, I did write salt and pepper, but you <laughs> hammered that one, so that was no good. Um, <laughs> of you and popcorn.
1: Oh, that's not bad. Okay, I don't hate that. Yeah. How about Fred and Barney? Like that one? Okay. Those would have been better than peanut butter and jelly. Boring. Blues Brothers? Nah, that'll do a lot for me. Uh, All right, a couple food ones for you. Bacon and eggs? Yeah, okay. Nice pizza and pepperoni. Hamburger and fries? Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. Okay. See, here's the
0: issue issue with pepperoni and pizza. It's a pepperoni pizza. It's not a do, It's a single thing.
1: Oh, no, it's not. I, disagree. He just, he, he I disagree. Disqualified. Hold on, Derek. What's peanut butter and jelly then? What's peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Yeah, but you can have exactly. peanut butter
0: by itself. You can have jelly by itself.
1: You can have pizza by itself. You can have pepperoni by itself. But
0: they're not pepperoni and pizza. Pe- it's not pepperoni pizza if it's pepperoni and pizza it's not, by it's itself. Not
1: pe- it's not. It's, not, it's, it's not still not.
0: peanut butter by itself. It's still jelly by itself. Peanut butter
1: and jelly. No, I disagree. Disagree. Eh. Yeah, disagree. You're disqualified. Like All you. right, let's. No, we're not either. Let's go, Chris. Five. Five. Your top five are.
2: Yes, my top five are number five, Shrek and Donkey. That was the best one. <sighs> Uh, four, Bonnie and Clyde. Three, Batman Man. and Robin. Two, Spaghetti and Meatballs. Number one, Peanut Butter and Jelly.
1: You're not even close. You're not, you're <laughs> not even, I don't even know he did. This was your guess. All right, my five, Rocky and Mickey. Pulls at the heartstrings. Derek Leader, I did that for you. All right, number four, Hot Dog and Mustard. Fantastic. Boring, boring. Fantastic. Number three, Red Sox and Yankees, which is a good duo. When Does they're playing each other, looked, No, it's not. Number two, though, best win of all 10, Bruce and the E Street Band. Fantastic. You're, you're upset doesn't, that you didn't come, come up with that. Yes, it does. And number one, it's my duos, Chris. I don't like Bruce by himself and is, E Street it, it, by But himself. it's not a duo. When they're together, they are a duo. No, they're not. How are they not? And then it's pizza like, and pepperoni. Duo. Boom. Simon you mix them Fungle together. Simon
2: and Garfunkel are, du- uh, are du- uh, a duo. What? Simon and Garfunkel are a duo. Bruce and the E Street Band are not a duo. What are They're they a there? band. No.
1: Disagree. Well, we'll let the, we'll let the voters hash it okay. out for us. If
0: you have thoughts or comments on this, this portion of the podcast, <laughs> please email mmod at, at oldmiss.edu or cpetroselli at mail.smu.edu. Thank you. Uh, I don't know what he did
1: there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here
2: okay. we go. Let's keep going. Okay. Here we go. This week, what are we looking forward to this week? Big, Big games, games, Chris. Yeah. Big games, Matt. We got Arizona that. State and USC, Baylor, mm. Texas
1: Tech, Yeah.
2: Cal and Oregon, yeah, Purdue and Michigan.
1: That's a big one, right? That is big, yeah. big, big. Yep. Yeah.
2: How about SMU and UCF?
1: Yeah, I like that one. That's a yeah. tasty little nugget, as we call it.
2: Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin and Penn State. See if Penn State can right the ship. Yeah. South Carolina and Auburn.
1: Very interesting.
2: Uh, Gonzaga BYU. We talked about that one earlier. Yeah. Uh Brian at Rice with a big game against Western Kentucky. Yeah. Georgia and Arkansas. And I think probably the uh the biggest one, top five matchup,
1: uh, North Carolina and Virginia. What do you like? Give me a prediction, North Carolina, Virginia. Who do you like? I'm gonna
2: go with uh Virginia in that one. I think yeah, wow. that's uh A lot of
1: quality to them. A lot of quality. Where's it at? I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, we've got we've got one game weekend. I'm looking forward to that, Chris. Getting our team ready for one game. We go to Florida. So that will be good. We get a kind of a week of training, which we haven't had since really preseason. We've been knocking two games out a week. So excited to get back to it, get back to work. One game Um, weeks
2: are fantastic, aren't
1: they? Yeah, I know. If we could, you know, if we knew somebody that was ahead of the coaches committee of the USC would be really good that maybe start to work on that. Yeah. The pick, yeah. Um, I'm sorry.
2: The big deal, the big, big deal, deal. Could, could make that happen,
1: but he ain't so big. We, yeah. We got to get him moving. All right, Chris, good show tonight. That was a fun segment segment two. I thought uh, Marty was really fun to talk to enjoy listening to him. A very heated power five will be interesting. It's nice. We didn't, com- we didn't actually um, um, have the same ones in any of them. So that was fine. See what the voters say. Oh, the producer says that's at UNC. Still taking Virginia? Still taking Virginia. I'll take UNC. All right. Good luck to everybody uh, out playing, the coaches that are listening. Good luck in your games. College Soccer Nation appreciates you listening. And on Monday, this College Soccer Nation is out.
0: If you have questions for Coach Petricelli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at cpetricelli at mail.smu.edu or mmott at olemiss.edu. College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and available on all your fine podcast outlets. Download it, give a review, tell a friend.